Hello, everyone. This is John Zell from the podcast Perfectly Imperfect, a podcast on mental health for folks of color. Hello, everyone. It's Tiffany Young of True Talks with Tiff. Today, John Zell and I will be discussing the Senate confirmation hearings of the Honorable Judge Kentanji Brown Jackson. And the, of course, the outcome that we've all been uh, excited to hear about this week. So, um, Tiffany, how do you want to jump into this topic? Well, we could start with the tone of the hearings from mm -hmm. some of the senators, like how they asked certain questions, how we felt about the tone. We could start there. Or we could even start where the fact with Joe Biden being adamant, he said that he was only going to choose a black woman for this position. Okay. Let's start he there. Said, okay. So tell me a little bit more about that, because I wasn't aware that he was adamant about that. Yes. So that was Joe Biden's before he was voted into office That on his campaign trail. He had said that if he were to be voted in, he would specifically choose a black woman for the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. I guess they knew that a seat was coming up. Yes, okay. because um, I think his name is Breyer, Justice Breyer. Mm -hmm. He's about to retire, and that's the position that she will, um, Justice Jackson will be filling in, is Breyer's position. So they knew that he would be retiring, and they knew that the next president would be the one. It, it was either going to be if Trump would have gotten it, or Biden would be the one to choose another justice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Biden said that he would choose a black woman for that position because there hasn't been one. Yeah. Very good. And for those who don't know, uh, Supreme Court justices, once they're in, they're in for life. So it's very important, you know, when they select somebody, it's not just a four year, um, you know, bid. It's like for the rest of their lives until they retire. Yes. Okay. It's a lifetime position. So um, I like that he was adamant about that. That's good to know. Yeah adamant about it he had three it was i think it was three other black women that he had and they all had like amazing backgrounds when it like for the position mm -hmm. so they are very qualified women mm -hmm. the last one yeah. was is it amy coney barrett is that her name yes that was trump's nomination yeah and she was extremely unqualified very much so yeah and, you know, people talked about how the Senate kind of berated her in a way when it came to her confirmation hearings. But it was more so because they were very unsure of her because her qualifications were so minimal compared mm -hmm. to prior justices. They were unsure of her capabilities. And because of that, they were really harsh on her. And they're like, well, you guys are upset about how they are treating Judge Kentanji Brown Jackson, but Amy Comey Barrett, you guys didn't really say much when they asked her certain questions. Their questioning more so was coming from her not being qualified. Mm -hmm. And with uh, Katanji, they, um, it was more so she, I mean, there are charts to show this, but she's incredibly qualified. Um, and right. so they had to, you know, they were, what is it? Um, I'm forgetting the expression. They were reaching for straws. Is that the expression? 
Yes, grasping okay. for straws. Grasping for straws, yes. Because they she, her resume was ironclad. Um, and yeah. so they just wanted to more so cast doubt on specific things. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll kind of get into how some of that um, transpired. Um, but I, I think the the overall, I guess, takeaway that I got from, you know, watching that those couple of days was the amount of, I don't like the word poise because black women are already expected to not be the angry black woman. Um, right. I, I admired, well, let's just put it this way. Had it been me in that situation, um, my face would have said exactly what I was thinking. Um, she yeah. did a very good job at um, uh, st- remaining neutral to blatant like nonsense. She had a fantastic poker face. Yes, but she got in a couple of side eyes, and we we love her for that. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, and she used her like the pausing before answering a couple of times. Um, mm-hmm. And there were I wish there was a way to show a video on podcast, but um the the way that she would pause and it really just made the the question ask her look really dumb um yes. so it it was it was it was a it was a week um so one of the things that i um heard a lot about in uh my main source of news is the new york times um and so they were talking about how these white republican men mostly, um, were, you know, basically kind of hostile. Um, and of course, I, be- I remember when it started, uh, I believe it was Ted Cruz, um, who was basically like, we're not going to have any nonsense or, um, it, you know, these like empty promises, like this is going to be completely fair. It's going to be above board, all of this stuff. And I remember howling uh, when I heard that. Uh, just because, like, if you have to say that at the beginning, you already know what it is. And you exactly. already know what they're capable of. So that was interesting. But <clears throat> they criticized, like I said, they were grasping for straws. So they, of course, went after her leniency um, and sentencing um uh, sex offenders. Uh, of course, they always want to say... Um, uh, someone is like super duper liberal, which of course gets all of the Trump supporters in a tizzy Um, and uh, liberal on things that actually matter for somebody who uh, is a black woman, such as race, gender, uh, guns and abortion rights. Um, Mm -hmm. Those were the sort of things that they went for. Um, You want to comment on that? What are some of your thoughts? Yeah, I noticed that. And, um, one of the fallacies I'm trying to remember when I was in um, critical thinking, we talked about like um, fallacies, logical fallacies, and they used a lot of them here. Like mm-hmm. the ignorance, which is um, when I forget the senator's name, but it was a woman. And um, she brought up the fact that Kintanji, uh, when she was in private practice, mm-hmm. she 
was trying a case or representing, she was representing a case where it was a, a thing of pro-choice, pro-life. Mm-hmm. And it was some pro-life women that wanted to be able to be in the clinic where, and I'm paraphrasing that, so I might not have it exactly right, but I know they, the pro-life women wanted to be like right there when the women were walking into the clinic so she was on the side of the pro-choice mm-hmm. saying that no, that's not okay. That's that's absolutely absurd. Like these people are doing way too much. And I'm paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But she, so like, why would you say something like that against pro-life women? Like 70% of the United States, the women, pop, the population of women are pro-life so that's how you feel about pro-life women that they're doing too much i wonder where they got their statistics from that that's what i'm wondering too you always got to question the source of a poll or um because 70 percent i was like 70 percent. i thought that was a high number okay um but who knows where they get their stats from Mm. but and it probably was a very small a small like test group or whatever yeah it but usually I, is yeah so she was saying to contangi she was like well so this is how you feel and she was just going on and on and then when she finished the question contangi brown jackson she was like uh listen that case was i would say 1999 or 2000 mm-hmm. and i was representing a client and i it was not just me it was a, a collaborative effort. It was other attorneys that mm-hmm. we all went over this. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the appeal to the court. Mm-hmm. They all went over it. And she said it wasn't just me. And of course, we thought that it was ridiculous that these women wanted to literally be right in the and these women's faces who are at a vulnerable time mm-hmm. be in their faces like that. Of course, we thought that was crazy a lot and she said so this is how so this is exactly how you feel you feel like this about pro-life women so that's the way you feel about me i'm a pro-life woman woman that's how you you're a christian woman so that means you go to church that's how you feel about women in your church because all of them are most likely pro-life how do you know that (laughs) it's the (laughs) assumptions the assumptions for me Mm mm-hmm but basically, that was the gist of her questioning. She was just trying to make her look bad in the eyes of pro-life women, anyone that supports pro-life. Mm-hmm. That was her agenda in her questioning from a case that was in 2000 or 1999. Yeah, like that case is old enough to drink. Right. <laughs> and not only that, like... um Judge Kintanji said she wasn't the only one on the case. It was a collaborative effort. Mm -hmm. She was serving in the role of lawyer at the time? Yes. Okay. She was um, working at a private law firm at Mm -hmm. the time. Yes. Yeah. So a lot of them were non-questions. It was more so like, this is something I want to broadcast about you with a slant, with... um, um, I, I rarely hear people give their source of where the the percentages come from. Um, right. I guess that's okay because Donald Trump was president and he just made up his math on the go. Um, <laughs> but 
th- that seventy percent cannot be it cannot be true at least in the world that I live in. Um, you know, I I imagine you know my podcast is about mental health. I think of the because um, I just did an episode on my podcast about um, uh, the Jada Pinkett Smith and um, how you know uh, the, there's the expectation of like acting as if nothing's wrong, right? Um, right. And so, and I spoke a little bit on the mental health, but like how how that must feel to have to push things down um, and to put on a uh, a strong face. Right. Um, right. When something is completely unfair, um, I, I just think of the emotional toll that has to take on a person. And at this point in her career, she's probably used to it, but people shouldn't have to get used to being talked down to and um, disrespected and belittled. Um, so that 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 always that's that's kind of the the gut feeling I get from this whole thing. Obviously, we know the outcome was favorable, but just the the fact that in 2022, that's still something that um, not every person. Now, if this was a white man, it wouldn't it wouldn't be like this. I just think of the emotional impact that's got to have, and also on like the little black girls, the brown girls, the you know black boy, you know kids that you know are looking, you know up to see, okay, there's somebody that's not a white man that is Mm going to get to have this job. It opens up, um, you know, opens up doors. I saw this like um, cartoon or uh, infographic, whatever, where it shows uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson, like literally she's kicked down the door, like the door and the hinges are like laying down uh, in front of her. Um, but I think of like the kids who are looking at this and they're like, oh, well, do I have to, um, pretend that things don't bother me? I just think of the, the amount of pressure you carry on yourself to, to get what you want. You have to put up with bullshit. Yes. What are your thoughts on that? I agree. She definitely had to put up with a lot, a lot. And she was expected to put up with that. She was expected to deal with the condescending tones from some of the senators and their questioning, the disrespect. She was expected to handle that with grace Mm -hmm. because had she handled it any other way, it would be a whole nother thing. Like, oh, she she is the angry black woman. Look, she couldn't even handle a few questions. Mm -hmm. She really isn't qualified for this position. She can't even handle a few questions Mm -hmm. like could have gone a whole nother way had yeah. she not just sat there like she did take what they were throwing at her whether it be disrespectful or condescending or just blatantly rude mm-hmm. she sat there and had to take in those questions and then answer them and answer them you know like not snarky or sarcastic she had to answer them in a way where she was giving them respect that they didn't even give to her. Mm-hmm. And had she not, had she came back at some of them like the woman, I would have been like, um, ma'am, <laughs> I don't know where you that's from. I don't know where you're pulling this out of. But that happened years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay, am I, I going to pull up some of your history? Let's bring that up. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I could have gone there. But yeah. she didn't. She, she was like, 
well, um, it was a collaborative, like the way she said it. Mm-hmm. And it's very just, smooth. Very smooth. She was very smooth with how she handled them, and it made them look ignorant, yep. honestly. And I, so, I, I don't know the 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 setup of it, but I think it's a thing where you're they can like cut you off and be like answer the question. It's not like a let me give some dialogue, let me give some background. Like if she answers in a way that doesn't get the desired response from them, they can like cut her off in the middle of explaining something. Is isn't that how it goes? Right. And actually in that instance with the woman, she did cut her off when she was explaining like the case happened in nineteen ninety. She was like, Hold on, I understand and and that and then she's like, But what I'm saying is this is how you view pro life women. Mm-hmm. So, yes, they can cut her off. You just back her into a corner and then not let her really answer. That's, I think that's mm-hmm. the most, like, infuriating, like, uh, interpersonal thing that you could do to somebody is ask them a question. And then you open your mouth to answer and then they cut back and say more. And I'm like, you asked me a question, but <clears throat> are not giving me the space to answer it. I think it's, uh, it me personally, it really irritates me um when that happens so i can't imagine and everyone's watching you that that's a lot and i would have been way more petty i would not have gotten um Mm -mm. (laughs) i would not have passed the test to get in (laughs) so me either no because i was i was literally thinking as i was going back watching some of the clips like all those cameras the fact that you know that so many people are watching this happen live mm-hmm. all the people in the room with you then you have social media reposting reposting mm-hmm. it's a lot yeah because back in the day when they had these confirmation hearings nobody was really i mean they had a few cameras and stuff but it wasn't like it is now where mm-hmm. you have social media and people can easily access the clips yeah it's a whole different ball game now Okay, so listeners, you might hear a snoring dog in the background. That's kind of my trademark <laughs> for my podcast episodes now. So um, enjoy the <laughs> the um, white noise of a snoring dog. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, one of the, and I think I started talking about this earlier and didn't actually get to the point, but the thing that I found to be comic relief was the they blew up the cover of a children's book called Anti-Racist Baby, um, which I actually have a copy of for my daughter. Um, And I've read it to her a couple of times. I love that book. Um, But it was, I'm just, in, in my head, I'm thinking like, even in a college classroom, if someone were to reference a children's book, as part of a debate class, as part of a research paper, the professor would literally laugh at them. It would not even, you know what I'm saying? Like it wouldn't even be uh, an exit, like you wouldn't even fix your mouth to like, and and to blow like a a huge blow, like they blew up pages of the book and stuff of, it's a very like, also it's not like a super deep book. It's like small sentences. but I, I just think of in a in a college setting that wouldn't fly. But this was in like the highest parts of government that they did this, right. and it, the whole thing was just absolutely hilarious, but also ridiculous. Um, and so he 
he basically showed this thing and uh, had mentioned that I think it was it's a school that she's on a committee or board of is has that book as part of their curriculum. Mind you, this is a private school, so they can do whatever they want. Um, and then he spun it to basically say that critical race theory is being taught to, and then spun it to say that she supports critical race theory. Do you is that my kind of saying that right? Yes. Basically, that's what um, Senator Cruz was trying to get to. Another mm-hmm. fallacy, red herring. Just, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Just because she was on the board of that school. So we come to this conclusion because you're on the board of the school and this book happens to be at that school. You know how many schools, well, most schools have libraries. Mm-hmm. So just because a book is in the library, I'm supposed to know every book in that library. And because that Mm -hmm. one book is in the library, I support that book. Mm -hmm. So I just thought that was laughable. But she would have, like, if she would have just said, I really like this book and I don't see anything wrong with it. That, I mean, Fox News would have had a great time with that. Um, um, It was, it was ridiculous. But the, I guess the takeaway, um, And here's, and I've actually done a whole series on my podcast about critical race theory. I'll make sure we link it in the show notes. He, he expanded his argument basically to say that critical, you know, critical race theory is being taught in this setting and you're allowing it, right? As if her small role in that school is like, she's, they're individually like coming to her house to be like, Hey, can I use this book? Um, that and you work in education, you know it don't work like that. Um, but no. the I love the clap. Let me say clap back. I just love the um, the concise zingers that uh, she was serving. So, for example, she was basically like, for your and I'm paraphrasing here. For your information, critical race theory is something that's taught in law school. It's not taught in K-12. And that that was a moment because I've done a whole thing on critical race theory on my podcast. I, it was a series, I think. Um, and the, the takeaway that I get with a lot of people who are in a lather about, oh, you're teaching this to... Uh, my kids, it's basically teaching reverse racism and blah, you know, the, the list goes on of shake your head moments, right? Yes. And I, the thing I have come to know is that people really don't know what the hell critical race theory is. I didn't really know what it was. And the whole point of me doing that series was to learn more. And but there have been like little um, talk shows, uh, nighttime shows and stuff where they'll like interview somebody about critical race theory. And you've got these mm-hmm. like uber uh, conservatives, like parents or whatever, who's like, oh, I, I don't want that, you know, whatever. And but if you ask them, what is critical race theory? It's like you hear clown music. Because they don't know how to even articulate in a, a sentence or two what it is. Um, oh, I just know that it's not. I don't want my kids to know it. But they, they've never opened a book. They've never done any deep study. It's just 
this is, and you know, the fear mongering has been really strong in this past decade. Yeah. Um, and so it's just one of those things. It's like, in addition to masks, vaccines, uh, mm-hmm. you know, critical race theory, um, all sort, you know, all of these things that are either, you know, it has to be on the extreme and demonized or accepted, you know, it's just another right. thing. And the re- I love that she just summed it up with that's a law school concept. That is not something that is taught in K to K-12. And even if it was, it would be incredibly difficult for a kid to comprehend because I'm a whole 29 year old like master's degree holding, you know, person who had to read lots of articles and still do. And when I was reading some to do research for my podcast, I was like had to read stuff over and over again. Like it's like legal. It's like very dry um, uh, information, like what it's based on. And it's it's been expanded to this. Oh, you can just sprinkle some critical race theory on anything. And it's really not Mm -hmm. like I had a hard time, like conceptualizing it and making it user-friendly for a podcast audience the the ability of that like the fact that people think it's just that easy is really um baffling to me but i just had to speak on that how she said this is this is like a law school thing it is not a public school thing so why are we even Mm -hmm. talking about this but she did it with class and i feel like i'm like did you bring it up because she's black like Mm -hmm. like, what's well, you don't even, I mean, you asked the question, but you also answered it. <laughs> <laughs> What's the reason? Yeah. And she did. So I don't know if it was him or if it was another senator that I asked a, a question regarding something to do with that school she's on the board of. She said, do you realize I am on the board? I am not the director of curriculum. Mm-hmm. I have no power over the curriculum. I'm just on the board. And it was crickets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it was amazing that they were just they were really like you said grasping at straws because they really couldn't come to her from the point of you're not qualified for this position mm-hmm. because numerous senators that were opposed to her, which were Republicans, they were re- opposed to her. They said at the end of everything when it was leading up to her Senate confirmation vote, they were like, well she's definitely qualified. She's a great person and she has all the qualifications. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just not voting for her. And one Senator, I believe it was Senator Grant said, this is the first time that he's voted. No, since he's been a Senator for a justice, this is the first time ever. Hmm, he's voted I wonder no. why. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Because you voted yes for the last one. And you mm. uh, definitely was not qualified. She didn't even know how to comb her hair. But that's that's a conversation for another day. My apologies. Let's keep it professional here. Um, (laughs) So one thing I do want to point out, not only was it racist, um, a lot of the questioning and slants and we can't even call those questions, leading questions, statements uh, perpetrating as questions. There was sexism, too. Um, and really the only, um, there's been very few women who've made it onto the Supreme court, but, um, I just, 
noticed like even like commentary from people between the different sessions or whatever they were having uh how Mm -hmm. talking about her it was a very like it it was sexist in a way that you know looked at her as oh she's a woman and on top of that she's a black woman um Mm -hmm. but for example um i think one of the i think it's a senator last name sassy or sass um uh had uh basically told um katanji like oh well you know you're incredibly likable and winsome um and the i think this one this um clip that i got is from cnn um and it was basically like can you imagine a white man being interviewed and like commenting them that oh you're very likable and winsome like to you know like the pleasantries like that um you would never you would never and and so it's almost like oh you know i i just it it, i'm trying to articulate this you know when you get a million thoughts coming in at the same time and you're like which one can i let out um right it's kind of like you can be a person with a a body of work behind you, uh, accomplishments, accolades, and stuff like that. But it will always be under the premise of what you look like. So, yes. for example, I mean, they've done this. They've done studies on this. If you got a resume that says uh, Katanji or a resume that says Brittany with the same exact credentials, who are they going to hire? Brittany. They're going to hire Brittany. And this has been done time and time again. Um, but the the be, I think it's just the belittling and the underestimating um, how phenomenal this person is. Um, I, I personally didn't know who she was before all of this. But, you know, they basically put your whole history on blast when you become in the, the spotlight like this. But yeah. everything is incredibly impressive in my eyes. And she's a mother and a wife and um, all of these different things. So um, they really didn't give her her props. And I think when they like belittle it and be like, oh, well, you're likable. Right. It's just like, how about I'm educated, I'm powerful, I'm tenacious, I'm, you know, intelligent. Like, can I get a different adjective? Um, Compared to every justice in the history of the Supreme Court. I top all of their qualifications. Uh, talk about that a little bit, Tiffany. Because you have the chart, right? Oh, yes. Talk so, about that chart. Um, there's a chart that is on the Washington Post, and it shows the, it says, how can Tangi Brown Jackson's path to the Supreme Court differs from the current justices? So it has public high school, Ivy League law school, Supreme Court of the United States clerking, public defender, sentencing commission, district court, court of appeals. Okay, she's done all of it. So she's done, she went to that's, high school. That's 10 categories, right? Yeah. It's, I think it's 10, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 7 categories. 7 categories. This, this list, like the main stuff, that doesn't even take into consideration like when she was in private practice and all of that mm-hmm. so so basically one- good background experience on 
for the job, right? Like yeah. if you're going to be a therapist, you know, for example, I'm a therapist, you would want someone who's worked with uh, low income people, people who, you know, someone who's worked with high income people, people who've worked with different backgrounds, races, you know, um, different issues and stuff like that. Like you would want someone who has some competence in different areas. The main yeah. ones that that chart covers is stuff that will directly come up in decisions she has to make on the Supreme Court, because exactly. it, I think it covers schools, it covers, you know, community, it covers um, uh, sentencing, like there's a lot of different things. And when they broke it down and compared to how many previous justices did they put on that list? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So the ones that are currently on there. Mm -hmm. And the one that came close was the one that's retiring, the the one that she's replacing, Justice mm -hmm. Brock. He matched one, two, three, four, five, five of hers. Mm -hmm. Five of seven? Everybody out of seven. So wow. everybody else only has two or three. Mm. And the last one, Barrett, she only has scoutist clerking, so Supreme Court of the United States clerking, and Court of Appeals, which doesn't really count because she was thrown in there at the last minute so she could be qualified to be nominated by um, Trump. So he basically mm. just threw her so he could say, okay, well, see, she was on the Court of Appeals, but you just put her there because you wanted to nominate her. That's funny, because I think I, I was just, um, you know, sometimes my clients will like send me a resume or something just to like give my opinion on it. Like I don't obviously don't do resume editing as part of being a therapist, but sometimes okay. people will send me a resume and I always like write or circle something in red if they say, oh, well, I worked as a, um, a camp counselor from july 2021 to august 2021 and i'll like i'll like cross that out i'm like you never put on your resume i work somewhere for one month you just say i was a camp counselor for fall of 2001 you like beef it up to make it sound better because if you say oh yeah. i was there for a month like anybody else would be like th that's not any experience but literally uh what's her face like literally just had that role just to make her qualified does, yep. does that comparison make sense none not at all not at all she had she didn't even go to i mean it's not necessary to be on the supreme court to go to ivy league but she didn't even go to an ivy league school she didn't have any the only thing that made her close to um being qualified and barely is the um clerking that she did mm-hmm but all of them have done clerking. Yeah, I, that that seems pretty standard with being yeah. in law. So um, I'm like just the thing of like her to everyone else. Like she has all seven, and the only one that comes closer is the one that's about to leave, mm -hmm. and he has five compared to her seven, and she's the only one that has sentencing commission. So that's why they were coming after her so much for sentencing, mm -hmm. but they failed to think about the fact that you are Senate. You are the ones that make the bylaws for the judiciary. She was doing her job by, we learned in elementary school, the judicial <laughs> branch enforces the laws that the legislative branch makes. Exactly. 
the president's or the executive signs off on it. Yes. It's the like, checks and balances. Like, what is this? They forgot. They forgot about checks and balances and how, she, like, just like any job, you're in a role, you do the job. Um, exactly. And so the sentencing or whatever is really determined by the laws that she did not write. And they were acting like she's just out here freestyling, doing her yeah. own thing. Oh, like Oprah, you get two, you get two years, you get two years. Uh-huh. I'm just being nice to everybody. No, she was just following the guidelines and bylaws that mm-hmm. you all established yeah. in the legislative branch. Mm-hmm. She wasn't allowed to talk long enough to explain that because they would cut her off and uh-huh. say something else ridiculous. No. Oh, good times. So to spin this around and to put a more positive note before we get into, I know you want to talk about like the history that was made on, I think it was Thursday. I got to give props to Senator Cory Booker. This is what you and I know. Any one of us senators could yell as loud as we want that Venus can't return a serve. We could yell as loud as we want that Beyonce can't sing. We could yell as much as we want that Astronaut Mae Jamison didn't go all that high. But you know what? (laughs) They got nothing to prove. As it says in the Bible, let the work I've done speak for me. Well, you have spoken. You started speaking as a little girl, watching that man right there try to raise a family and study law while your mama supported everybody. You spoke in high school when you started distinguishing yourself. And you know what you said when they told you you couldn't go to Harvard? Watch me. I went to law school. I didn't serve on the law review. You did. I didn't clerk at every level of the federal court. You clerked for a Supreme Court justice, one widely respected on both sides, which really shaped you. You left there and, and, and you went to private practice and you know what you found? This is what you told me. That you had those tough choices that working moms have to make, the demands of a private law firm, raising your kids, it, it just didn't add up. You went before this Senate three times in a bipartisan manner. God bless America. We don't do that much stuff bipartisan around here. You went to become a public defender because you wanted to understand all aspects of the law. Who does that? We live in a society that's very materialistic sometimes, very, very consumeristic. You went to, do people become public defenders for the money? No. Your family and you speak to service, service, service. And I'm telling you right now, I'm not letting anybody in the Senate steal my joy. (laughs) I told you this at the beginning. I'm embarrassed. It happened earlier today. I just look at you and I I start getting full of emotion. I'm jogging this morning and I'm at the end of the block I live on. And I get terrified because I put my music on loud when I'm jogging, (laughs) trying to block out the noise of the the heart attack I'm having. (laughs) (laughs) And this woman comes up on me, practically tackles me, an African-American woman. And the look on her eyes, she just wanted to touch me, because I think, because I'm sitting so close to you, (laughs) and tell me what it meant to her to watch you sitting where you're sitting. 
and you did not get there because of some left-wing agenda? You didn't get here because of some dark money groups? You got here how every black woman in America who's gotten anywhere has done by being, <laughs> like Ginger Rogers said, I did everything Fred Astaire did, but backwards in heels. <laughs> and, and so I, I'm just sitting here saying, nobody's stealing my joy. Nobody's going to make me angry, especially not people that are called in a conservative magazine demagogic for what they're bringing up that just doesn't hold water. I'm not going to let my joy be stolen because I know you and I, we appreciate something that we get that a lot of my colleagues don't. I know Tim Scott does. When I first came to this place, I was the fourth black person ever popularly elected to the United States Senate. And I still remember a lot of mixed people, white folks, black folks work here. But at night, when people are in line to come in to clean this place, the, the, the percentage of minorities shift a lot. And so I'm walking here, first week I'm here, and somebody who's been here for decades doing the urgent work of the Senate, but it's the unglamorous work that goes on no matter who's in offices, the guy comes up to me, all he wants to say, I can tell is, I'm so happy you're here. But he comes up and he can't get the words out. And this man, my elder, starts crying. And I, I just hugged him. And he just kept telling me, it is so good to see you here. It's so good to see you here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I, I love my brother, Tim Scott. We could write a dissertation on our disagreements. He gave the best speech on race. I wish I could have given as good of a speech. But talking to the challenges and indignities that are still faced. And you're here. I was in the White House with my Democratic colleagues. And I'm, again, I'm in my joy. I can't help it. <laughs> and, and, and the president's asking our advice. Who should we nominate and whatever. And I look at Kamala and we have a knowing glance which we've had for years, when she and I used to sit on this end of this committee at times. And then I try to get out to the president what it means. What it means. And I want to tell you, when I look at you, this is why I get emotional. I'm sorry, you're, you're, you're a person that is so much more than your race and gender. You're a Christian, you're a mom, you're... You're, you're an intellect, you love books, but for me, I'm sorry. I, I, it's hard for me not to look at you and not see my mom, not to see my, my cousins, one of them who had to come here and sit behind you. She had, to be, she had to have your back. I see my ancestors and yours. Nobody's gonna steal the joy of that woman in the street or the calls that I'm getting or the texts Nobody's going to steal that joy. You have earned this spot. You are worthy. You are a great American. Your hero is Constance Baker Motley. Mine, she has sat on my desk for my offices that I've held. She's my icon of America. Her name is Harriet Tubman. There is a love in this country that is extraordinary. You admitted it about your parents. They loved this nation, even though there were laws preventing them from getting together. When they were loving, there were laws in this country that would have prevented you from marrying your husband. It wasn't that long ago. It was last generation. 
But they didn't stop loving this country, even though this country didn't love them back. And what were the words of your heroes and mine? What did Constance Baker Motley do? Did she, this country that she saw insults and injuries, when she came out of law school, law firms wouldn't even hire her because she was a woman. Did she become bitter? Did she try to create a revolution? No, she used the very constitution of this nation. She loved it so much, she wanted America to be America. As Langston Hughes wrote, oh, let America be America again. The land that never has been yet, but yet must be the land where everyone is free. Oh, yes, I say it plain. America never was America to me, but I swear this oath, America will be. That is the story of how you got to this desk. You and I and everyone here, generations of folk who came here and said, America, I'm Irish, you may say, no, Irish or dogs need to apply, but I'm going to show this country that I can be free here. I can make this country love me as much as I love it. Chinese Americans first forced into mere slave labor, building our railroads, connecting our country, saw the ugliest of America, but they were going to build their home here and say, America, you may not love me yet, but I'm going to make this nation live up to its promise and hope. LGBTQ Americans from Stonewall women to Seneca. Hidden figures who didn't even get their play until some Hollywood movie finally talked about them and how they were critical for us defying gravity. All of these people loved America. And so you faced insults here that were shocking to me. Well, actually not shocking. But you are here because of that kind of love. And nobody's taken this away from me. Uh, Senator Cory Booker of New Jersey, really, um, his words were very healing. Um, and they definitely um, resonated, I think, with anybody who does not fall on the line of white male um, and who was watching all of this unfold. Because it was like... Yeah you just went through this this ridiculous like escapade and you didn't let them break you. I, I love that he just like went off script and really, um, not only did he encourage her, I believe she started crying. Um, he did. But he also basically roasted everyone who got up there and showed their ass. Uh, what are and your thoughts were, on that? Yes, I, I was going to talk about that too. I thought that was awesome that, he took the time after she was torn down by the other senators. Um, not all of them were tearing her down, but the good part of the Republican side, they were tearing her down. Mm -hmm. um, that he was building her up and letting her know, like, you are doing amazing through all of this. And Osolf, Senator Osolf, he also gave her um, encouragement and told her that, you know, you handled this with grace, all this, you were under pressure and people kept, you know, tearing you down, tearing you down, but you handled it so well mm -hmm. that he took the time to step back and let her know before he began his questions. Mm -hmm. So that was like the, that was like the bright spot. Um, Cause most of us were just shaking our heads. Like why? Like there are many times in a week that I'm just like, I would like to leave this planet. 
um, and go to somewhere else that's not Earth because it's too much. Um, much. Yeah, I gotta uh, catch up with Elon Musk and see what where he's at in that process. But um, he <laughs> temporarily <laughs> restored um, some hope in humanity, so I greatly appreciated that. Um, so Tiffany, talk about the history that was made. So on April seventh. The Senate had their vote, and I want to pull up the exact number um, because this one senator, he kind of like was being sarcastic when he said, he's like, yeah, she's an amazing person and this and that, but I'm not voting for her, but she'll be confirmed anyway. It's like, oh, okay. Because, you know, like because of um, Kamala's vote Mm -hmm. with her being the president of the senate she makes the swing vote pretty mm-hmm. much the senate is balanced but because she is the vice president and president of the senate her vote makes the democrats have the majority mm-hmm. so that's basically what she's trying to throw out there the vote was 53 yay and 47 nay so 48 democratic senators voted yay Three, three Republicans voted yay, two independents voted yay, and 47 Republican senators voted nay. Mm. So she was officially confirmed on April 7th to be the first black female Supreme Court justice mm-hmm. and the third black female, I mean, and the third black justice. And just because I like trivia... I I must say that Justice Katanji Brown Jackson is the very first Supreme Court justice to be confirmed that has dreadlocks. I said it. Yes. <laughs> we love to see it. So so much representation in this one person. Yes, it is. I'm I'm very happy and pleased with this confirmation. And because some people were being cynical and like the only reason why black people are happy about her being confirmed is because she's black but you guys don't know what she's done and no 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 it's not just because she's black it's just she represents so much and i took the time to look through and look at some of the stuff she's done she's done some amazing things and just for not only black people, but for people as a whole, like some of the policies that mm-hmm. she lobbied for, like she's been doing the work in the background. Like we may not have known about her until just now, but she's mm-hmm. been putting the work in. Because she was out here working. She wasn't out here doing publicity. She was out here working. Working, working. Yes. Like Definitely. she, she's a really great candidate for this. So I'm glad that she was officially confirmed because mm-hmm more than deserves this Mm -hmm. we don't want to under like we don't want to undervalue the moment but the reality is the the battle is not over for her because she's got to deal with the politics of the current um supreme court justices yeah and you know it's just kind of like okay we can get up like for example we had barack obama we got him to be president, but then we had to deal with all the people who just opposed him for the simple fact that they opposed him, right? And so it's one thing to get the job. It's another thing to fight to let people do your job effectively. So that it's something to, you know, we celebrate this moment. It's huge. It's 
you know, knock down some doors, most certainly. But the reality is it's the 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 fighting is not over. We still got a lot of work yeah. to do. Yes, it's still it's still a pretty it's a, a long uphill battle. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, with them having lifetime tenure, mm-hmm. it's I mean, it's not like, well, well, after two years, after four years, we can get another person in and maybe mm-hmm. balance out. You got to die or be incapacitated or resign. Mm -hmm. And ain't nobody resigning just because. Right. I'm surprised that the one, I I don't know why he's resigning, but I'm surprised that he's resigning. Mm -hmm. Because that's rare. Like um, the last, the last one to retire was years ago. I know, um, what's her name? Ruth? Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yes. She what she was thinking about retiring, but I think she ended up passing mm-hmm. before that occurred. And then that's how Amy got in. What a disappointing replacement. Mean, but we don't want to we don't even want to open that can of worms. No, no. I said what I said. And now we move on. They're saying Clarence Thomas, he's been having some health issues. So they're saying that they're speculating that he might um, either retire because of health issues or whatever. Mm-hmm. So we might be able to get another one in from the Biden Harris. Mm-hmm. That would so be we nice. Should see. Yes. Yep. There's always still w- more work to do. I guess that's part of yep. being human is that we're never. It's never just problem solved, mission complete. It's always okay. We we handled this level of the mission, and now let's get on to the next one. So that's right. Yep. But definitely a time of celebration. Definitely. So. I'm very excited for mm-hmm. her so thank you tiffany for taking the time uh to talk with me about this i we've collaborated a, a handful of times now on our yes. various podcasts so um i'm glad that we were able to line our schedules up to talk about this because this is definitely a big moment but um Def- we must give commentary on how um there are not even double standards but like triple and quadruple standards for a person based on the color of their skin. And then on top of that gender, uh, we like to think that we're so evolved, but honestly stone ages and in a lot of different places, as far as like common sense and respect and human dignity. But yeah, we celebrate and we go on to fight another day. That's right. Because you can have all the qualifications as we saw here and still be questioned on if you're qualified. Mm-hmm. It's very so, true. But thank you, John Zell, for having this conversation with me. I appreciate you because in my last episode, I said I wanted to talk about it and I mm-hmm. asked the listener they wanted me to talk about it. And I got responses. Like, yes, I, I immediately texted you. I was like, can I be the one to talk about that with you? Because I got thoughts. Yes. I'm so glad you reached out because I was thinking, I'm like, I need somebody to have this dialogue with. I can't mm-hmm. just have an episode it's one-sided mm-hmm. so yes all right well everybody thank you for listening and we'll see you next time bye if you enjoyed this episode you can support this podcast by buying me a coffee the link is in this episode's show notes thanks in advance anchor is everything you need to make a podcast and best of all it's free They offer creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. 
Anchor also distributes your podcast, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, and many more. Did I mention that you can make money from your podcast no matter the size of your following? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today.